are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. If you have your Bible open to James chapter 1, I started in the kind of a, an unusual thing that I started teaching on James. And we're dealing with trials in chapter 1 and verse 2 down through verse 11. Uh, we see the attitude that we should have toward our trials during trials. Now here's something you need to learn real quickly before we get very far in this lesson, and that is the word temptation is a big word. It's like we have a word hell, the English word hell. When we say hell, we use one word. It covers all the place of the dead. It could be the grave. So sometimes when these false cults say, well, hell is the grave, they're correct in a broad sense because the grave is the place of the dead in the sense that the body is there. But they fail to study the word in its more narrow sense, like uh, the Bible, I don't want to get away from the King James Bible, but it's translated from Hebrew and Greek. And you have the word Sheol, which means the place of the dead, the word Hades, which means the place of the dead, and then the word Gehenna, which means the actual place of fire. It gets more specific when you use the word Gehenna, but the Bible just says hell each time, and it's correct each time. And when you talk about trials and temptations, there are two words. The word temptation, in a broad sense, includes trials that come into our lives, various kind of trials that come. They could come in any form. Uh, Job, Job had many, 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 many trials in his life. And the truth of the matter is, Job was a man in chapter 1 who feared God and eschewed evil. And the Bible said that he even made sacrifices for his children in case they were to sin. Now, that was a very godly man. He not only lived right himself, but he, he made sacrifices in case his children happened to sin somewhere down the line. Who would, who would think of that? Of course, we pray for our children. Of course, I do, and I'm sure you do. But there are trials that came in his life, trials he did not understand. He lost, his, he lost his children, he lost his cattle, he lost his sheep. He lost everything he had except his wife. And then she tempted him in the midst of trial. Now, the temptation there means a solicitation to evil. You see what I'm talking about? In the midst of trials, there are always temptations. And we'll see that in a minute. And that's why he says a little bit further down here, when you're tempted, don't say, I'm tempted of God. There's temptation in the midst of trials. And Job's temptation was... By his wife, of all people, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, he didn't yield to the temptation, but he had a specific temptation in the middle of the trial. While I'm going through all this turmoil I'm going through with, God's tempting him through his wife. Why don't you just start cursing God now? You've gone through enough. Look what you've done. You lost all your kids, all your cattle, all your sheep and everything. And now then, why don't you just curse God? So trials are bad enough by themselves, we think, and they're not bad. I shouldn't have said that. That's a, a, a poor choice of words. They're good for us. So we've studied. I don't, want to, I don't want to recap too much, but let's read quickly. Let me just briefly say some things quickly. I jump verse 1. My brother, talking to Christians, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That's a broad word. That's trials. And it's a count it all joy. Not some of it joy, but all of it joy. That's, hard, that's one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do in your Christian life is when trials come and they said to Job, all of your kids are dead to count that joy. But he didn't say count some things joy. It's easy to count maybe a fender bender as joy. 
especially if the fender bender reveals that you'd have been in a worse crash down the road. It's easy to count maybe a, a little setback is joy. But when you have trials that press you to the wall, trials that where you lose your whole family and all your cattle and all your sheep and nothing's left but a wife is tempting you in the midst of trials uh, to solicitation to evil to curse God, I mean, it's tough. And yet God said in the midst of all that, you'd have counted all joy. Isn't that, isn't that something? That's a hard thing to do. And yet if you're going to be a good, balanced Christian, you must do that. And he goes on to say, knowing this, at the trying of your faith, work its patience. Your faith is being tried, it's being purified, and it works endurance. But let patience or endurance have a perfect work. In other words, if God's doing something in our life through a trial, he said that it have his perfect or mature work. I don't want to sound too personal, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention this. This week, I, I found myself leaning against the wall in my bathroom against the little window. And I began to cry and pray. And I said, Jesus, if it's my time to go, I don't mind coming to heaven. I'm ready to come to heaven. If that's it, I don't mind dying. But if this is a trial that you're bringing into my life, because it worketh patience and endurance, and it says, then let patience have a perfect work that you may be complete and entire, or mature and entire, lacking of wanting nothing. I said, if this is a trial in my life, that you're trying to do, and I don't know what it is, you know. But this is a trial in my life. I, I cried. I said, be thorough with me. I said, finish your job this time. I mean, whatever it takes, knock me slap down to the bottom, drag me out the hole and at the bottom. Whatever it takes in my life, if this is something you're trying to do, to do something in my life, any, any rough edges you need to get off, anything you need to teach me in my life, whatever it is, I said, let's don't quit now. I mean, let's don't quit halfway through or two-thirds of the way through or nine-tenths. I said, go all the way with me. Finish me all, all the way, whatever it takes. I mean, if, you know, when you take the motor apart, go ahead and take every nut out of it where you got it. Take every spark plug off. Take every wire off. Let's don't put it back together. My time to go fine, but if it's a trial, then I want to endure the temptation. And I, I want God to be thoroughly, thoroughly uh, 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 thorough with me, is what I'm trying to say. I kind of hurry because I want to get to the other part of this lesson real quickly. Anyway, he goes on to say, but let patience have a perfect work in the Then he talks about if you like wisdom. Now, you'll like wisdom during trials. And you won't realize it. You get sick. You can't think. You hurt. You lack wisdom. You, you'll find yourself saying, Lord, have mercy. You don't know what to pray for. Lord, I need this. I need wisdom. What am I going to do? I need this. But he said, if you like wisdom, you ask of God. And he giveth to all men liberally, and he won't upbraid you, scold you by asking. He won't charge you like folks do you ask for things. And he goes on to say, uh, but they him ask in faith, not wavering. And I done talked about that, but it's been a couple of weeks since I was here, so I want to review it a little bit. So you come down to verse 12. And now in verse 12, down to verse 18, new part of the lesson this morning real quickly. And that is, these verses stress our attitude not only toward trials during temptation, which is stressed in the first 11 verses. But now we're talking about our attitude toward God during the trials. And I hope you listen to this very carefully. Because attitude is very, very important to God. What we are in our heart. I think it was Abraham and Lincoln said, the sin and deceit that you wear in your heart cannot stay inside when it once gets to start. For sign you in blood are a thin veil of lace, and what you are in your heart will show on your face. 
We must have a right attitude toward God no matter what comes into our life. Now, Job's attitude got wrong toward God. He said, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I went straight to the grave of my mother's womb. Cursed be the day I was born. He even said to God, you have set me up as a mark. That's our word target. He said to God, you hung me up as a target and you're shooting at me. Have you ever felt like that in your life? That God's hung you up as a target and it's shooting at you? That's what Job said. It's in the Bible. It's inspired. That's the word of God. He, his attitude wasn't right, but finally he got his attitude right toward not only the trial itself, but he got his attitude right toward God. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And when he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold. So no matter how tough it gets, you've got to keep your attitude right toward God. And here we begin with our attitude toward God. Now, in trials, he says in verse 12, blessed, and the word blessed means happy, to be envied, is the man that endureth temptation. And the word temptation, and that this word temptation, again, is a broad word again. I, I hate to keep referring to that, but it's important that I do. You're going to see something in a moment. It's the broad word. Blessed is the man that endureth. In other words, he just stays in there and 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 stays in there. And no matter how bad you think this is, this is all that can happen, nothing can happen, and something else happens. This is all, something else happens. But happy, happy is the man that endureth temptation. Not happy is the man that goes through it a little while and then gives up and gets mad at God and his attitude toward God gets wrong. But he endures it. He endures temptation. It's not easy. Nobody likes trials. But blessed or happy is the man that endureth the trial, that stays with it. How many times we fussed at God because of some little something that didn't amount to that much? Some little something that next week would, would maybe somebody run up a piece of shrubbery, we could replant the thing in five minutes. And we fuss over it three days, you know? Any little old trial in life we complain about until some major thing happens and suddenly we realize, hey, I've been, these little trials I've had have been nothing. Nothing, you see. So happy to be ended is the man that endureth the temptation, the broad word, the trial. Now why is he happy? Because when he's tried, and the word tried here has the idea of being proven. It's like you try something, you know. It's like a test pilot tries a plane. Somebody's got to fly it the first time. And he gets in the first time and takes off. And he comes back and flies. He, he does flips in it and lands. And he, he does landings and takeoffs and whatever. And finally he sets it down. It's approved. It's tried. And he says, happy is the man that endures temptation. For when he's tried, after all the trials and trials, and, and the trials are not to, uh, for God to discover what you are. God knows what you are. The trials are to make you Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He's trying to make you mature and complete as a believer. Back, we've already studied that back in verse 4. Wanting nothing. That's what the trial's for. And we should thank God for them. No matter how bad they get, even if it hurts so bad, you can't even say thank you without crying and screaming. Say thank you anyhow. You know, thank you anyhow. No matter how tough it gets, hallelujah anyhow. Praise God anyhow. Be thorough with me, Jesus. Whatever you're doing, be thorough. But when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Now, this has nothing to do with eternal life. It has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You follow me? 
This has nothing to do with eternal life. This has something to do with the quality of life that you enjoy here. And I, I, you know, I'm convinced I've never had problems in my life. Never had trials as such. I've often been nervous about it. I think I'll send the judgment seat of Christ with people, the martyrs who were put at the stake and burned alive, and some who had their eyes burned out with hot pokers because they wouldn't tell the enemy where the Bible was hid because they loved the Bible so much and the church only had one copy. Everybody didn't have copies of the Bible back in those days. I think about I read Fox's Book of Martyrs and the trials those guys went through with, and here I'm driving a Lincoln, living in a house with three bathrooms, anything I want... I don't want much, but anything I want, I can go back, you know, and, and enjoying life and the few trials I've had, and I'm wind up in heaven with Paul and Peter and James and John and the martyrs. I'll, I'll, find, I'll, I'll hunt the smallest hole I can find up there. They look at me and say, what'd you do? Well, I had a Lincoln Town car, and, uh, and it rode mighty good, and, and I enjoyed it. There's nothing wrong with that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying, that we have so few trials in our generation, we have so few burdens, that the least little thing comes along, we complain about it. Don't you see? We shouldn't do that. And he says, that we'll receive a crown of life. Now, if you endure trials, you'll be a blessed and happy person. And you don't fuss in the middle of them, or near the end of them, and it gets so bad you can't stand it. And you say, uh, you know, I've had people say to me, I'm not going to say who said, hey, why is this happening to you? Why is this happening to us? And I say, why not? Finally, Job got this attitude. He said, if I received all the good things at God's hands, then why shouldn't I receive the evil? Here he'd got ten kids. Everything's going fine. Wealthy man, never had a problem. Had nothing but good, 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 come, none of the bad come. And you say, well, why has all this happened to me? Well, what about all these 60 years I've had? with three wonderful daughters who are married to preachers and a preacher's son and a wonderful sweet wife and ten, oh, I don't know how many friends. And uh, why not, you know? Let God do what he wants to do. I've got to hurry. I'm not even getting into this lesson. But when he's tried, he should receive the crown of life. That's the quality of life. Once you endure the tribulation or the trials, then it says once you're tried or proved and you go through it, it achieves a quality of life, a crown of life, that you didn't know before you knew the trials. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know whether you've been through much or not, but if you ever go through an awful lot, an awful lot with your life, you're going to come on the other side. You're going to be shocked at yourself. You're going to be shocked at your attitude of heart. You're going to be shocked at how much you love people. You're going to be shocked at how much I say I love you. You'll be saying sweetheart to folks you've never seen before. You'll be saying dear to folks you didn't even know were dear. You'll be saying honey to folks you didn't even think about saying honey before. before. Everybody's sweetheart. Everybody's honey. Everybody's walked into my room and been sweetheart, honey. I said, excuse me, I can't help that sweetheart. I said it and then did it again. You know, I, you know everybody comes in. It's, to me, it's just the sweetest thing in the world. Even old Johnny Cash came in and spent 15 minutes with me. I held his hand 15 minutes and talked to him about the Lord, the book of Job. He brought it up. He said, I've been complaining to the Lord all morning long, and God hit me with the book of Job. And I preached the whole book of Job to him about 15 minutes. We had the best time. And I, 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 I prayed for him before he left. And uh, you find yourself, you know, trials give you a quality of life that you're not going to have without the trials. You're just not going to have it without the trial. You may want it, but you're not going to have it. There's no way to get it, you know. 
that is some things you can't get any other way. And it, isn't God wonderful that he's saying, hey, I'm going to help you out a little bit here. I may have a week left to live. I may have two weeks left to live. Who knows? I don't know how long I'll live. But I, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, the, what I've gone through with has done something in my heart. It's done something in me that, that I wish I could have a little extended time to share it, you know, to de demonstrate it. I, you know, it's like you just all of a sudden found a big bright light and turned it on, and now you've got to turn it out, you know. I wish I had a little while to shine it, you know, because God's done something in my life. That's all I can tell you. And it's a wonderful thing. Blessed he that didn't do a temptation when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord that promised to them. Now, here's your attitude toward God during, during trials. They promise to them that love him. Your first attitude is you never stop loving God. You never stop loving God. You never stop loving God. I don't care, but I don't care what happens in your life. You get mad at something, some little old something at somebody, and, and you quit uh, reading your Bible and quit praying and, stop, and stop loving. You never stop loving God. I don't care how bad it gets. He said, to them that love God. The first attitude is you just never stop loving God. The greatest commandment in the Bible, according to Jesus, is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. That's the greatest commandment. Then the greatest sin then would be to break the greatest commandment. And that is to stop loving God. I don't know when I've ever told God so many times I loved him. I've told him I love you, Jesus. I can't tell him enough. And all these years I've loved him, but I didn't tell him. All these years I've loved him and served him. You know, it's like my wife. She worked around the house, cleaning the house, fixing dishes, and, uh, and everything's immaculate and clean and clean and clean. And I love that. God gave me the right wife for that. I'd have been miserable in any other kind of a, uh, a context or atmosphere than that. I'd have been miserable because I can't stand the clutter and that kind of stuff. I'm just that kind of a person. But she's made it perfect. But sometimes, bless her dear heart, she gets so busy doing things down the hall, and I, I, I want her to come just hold my hand and say, I love you. You know, I'd rather have that than to have something cleaned up sometime. And sometimes we're so busy cleaning up things for God and doing things for God, and I've been so busy for God and doing this for God and doing that for God, and I'm thinking doing it for God, at least I thought it was, flying here and yonder, that I didn't take time to even say, I love you, Jesus. I'm too busy. I've got to get another plane. I'll see you later. You know, about the only time I pray is when I start to the pulpit and my little devotion during the daytime. I need you, Jesus, in the pulpit. But never no real sweet times with him. Never no times when you say, Lord, I love you so much, and just walk around the house, I love you so much, Lord God. And you want to shout, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you, you know. And yet I pick up a little grandkid and hold it and run through the house with it and lay down on the floor and roll in 15 minutes, tell it, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, and I don't know when I've said that much love to Jesus. So in trials, we're to keep on loving God. We're to keep on loving God. I don't care how tough it gets in your life. Don't you ever contempl uh, con contemplate suicide or taking your life. I don't care how tough it gets and how, how bad the pressures get. You just keep on loving God. No matter what the temptations and trials are, I love you anyhow. I love you anyhow. Don't make no difference what you do. I love you, I love you, I love you. You can't beat that. And number, and then number, verse 13, he says, let no man say when he is tempted. Now we change the word temptation here to a, to a more narrow sense. And this is the solicitation to evil, if you want to make a note of this. 
So far, it's been used in a broad sense, which includes trials. Now he's talking about a solicitation to evil. In the midst of every trial, and especially bad trials, there are temptations, are solicitations to evil. I mentioned Job, that his, his, his trials were all the bad things that happened in Job. But the temptation, the solicitation to evil came to his wife when she said, why don't you curse God and die? Now, now when you're tempted in the midst of trial, that is, you're solicited to do evil during all these trials that God's bringing to your life to make you a happy and blessed person and a mature and complete person. During all these trials, the, te the, the devil will solicit you to do evil things all during this. And God said, now when this is happening, you may be so confused that you think I'm the one that's tempting you. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. But God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Now, that's, that's an unusual thing. Now, can I take just a few more minutes this morning? Neither tempted he any man. Now, in the midst of trials, when temptations come, well, you've served God all these years, and look what you get. Why don't you just tell folks who don't pay to serve God? That's an evil, wicked solicitation to evil. That's a temptation and trial. And the temptation and another, the, 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 the inclination is to say, well, well, here is God now in the midst of a tribulation tempting me. No, he said, no, you're not tempted. I don't, I don't tempt men. And I can't even be tempted with evil. But in the midst of your trials, you're being tempted to quit church. You're being tempted to quit loving God. You're being tempted to get bitter. And you're being tempted to look at older men that live wicked as the devil and they're 95 years old. Uh, smoking a cigar and telling jokes like George Burns and you're preaching the gospel and you're tempted to, and the devil throws all that in your face. He's tempting you to death during your trials. Didn't pay, did it? Didn't pay, did it? Didn't pay, did it? He'll harp you to your grave. But he won't go no further than that. That's far as he can go. As far as he can go. But he'll harp you right down to the grave to your last minute, to your, to your last breath, why don't, you, why don't you tell them it didn't pay? It didn't pay. It did, it, you did all this, it didn't work. It didn't work. You, you, you know, don't, don't accuse God of attempting you in the midst of a trial. You, you follow what I'm having talk too much here? He said, because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, well, Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. Jesus was tempted, but he wasn't tempted. You say, how do you know? The next verse says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. If you didn't have a lust for something, you wouldn't have been tempted in the first place. Jesus was tempted, but he never was tempted. Because he wasn't tempted in the sense, now don't, don't go out of here and misunderstand this. If you were to put 18,000 cases of whiskey right here on the floor, and, and I, I, was, I saw that there were news. I didn't watch much news. Just to tell you that I just get my mind off something. And I saw where they were selling this Japanese man's estate. And he had these prized bottles of wine. And one bottle of wine dated 1926 sold over $10,000. And they were bidding over that wine. $5, $10, finally over $10,000 for one little bottle of wine, 1926. Well, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been tempted to bid a penny on it. But I'd have been exposed to the same solicitation to evil they was exposed to, but they had an appetite for it, and I didn't. They wouldn't tempt me at all. 
I, I've never been tempted to rob a store. You know, I've seen money laying down that I could have stole. I found one time money in an envelope fell off of a Brink's truck. In an envelope, when I was, I was just a young preacher, I was, must have been 21, two years old. I, 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 the name in the bank was on. And the devil said to me, Bet, you don't need, you need money. And that's a lot of money. And boy, we did need money in those days. Bad. We, can, we were behind on everything. He said, you could throw the checks away and you could keep the money and nobody would ever know. But some inside me said, no, that's not your money. That's not your money. I took that money back to the bank and I gave it to the lady and she didn't care who I gave it to her or not. She said, well, that's not our fault. You know, she didn't say thank you for bringing it back. And the devil said to me, I told you all to kept it. You know? You know, what she figured was his brinks. It had to pay us anyway. You know, that's the way the devil works. You know, he just tempts you and tempts you. Let me, please let me go on this a little bit further. So Jesus cannot be tempted with evil, neither did any man. Now, the reason he was not te tempted is because he, he never had a lust on the inside. He didn't have a sin nature. Jesus said one time, the prince of this world has come and has nothing in me. You find that verse. I don't have the reference, but what it means, he has nothing in me to get a hold of. I'm a pot that doesn't have a handle. He grabs at me, but I don't have a handle. Our problem is we got a handle on every side. The devil can grab us anywhere. He can tempt us with money. He can tempt us with power. He can tempt us with fame. He can tempt us with fortune. He can tempt us with getting even with somebody. He can tempt us with anything. We got so many handles, he's grabbing us from every side and jerking all the time. But he grabbed at Jesus and he held up something there's no, nothing to hook on to. Oh! There wasn't nothing to hook on to. There's no hind of him to get a hold of because he didn't have no sin nature. And he said, now when you are tempted in the midst of your trial, don't say I'm tempted to God. You keep loving God and don't blame God for tempting you. Because I'm going to tell you why he tempted you. He said because you're drawn away with your own lust. If you didn't have a desire for the thing in the first place, you wouldn't have been tempted. You see what I'm talking about? If you, if, you, if you didn't want to entice for the thing to start with, you never could have been tempted. There's a lot of things you can't tempt me with, but the truth of the matter is the devil knows what you can be tempted with. And he goes on to say, then when lust hath conceived, in other words, you're tempted, and then the, the desires you have draw you away, and then the temptation becomes what I'd call then a real temptation, not a solicitation that evil, but a desire on your part then to do the evil. You can solicit somebody to do evil, and they don't have a desire to do it. It's no temptation. But when the desire is the couple with the solicitation, you still with me? You see, uh, really, I have been, I'm too personal here, but even in the last few days, I have been solicited to do evil, even in my trials. But honest to God, there's been no desire to do evil, you know? The devil puts the thoughts in your mind, why don't you do this and why don't you do this? But I mean, I say, perish the thought. Perish the thought. I have no desire to do that. I would never do that. I say, I wouldn't. Who knows what I'll do? But at that point in time, when he tried to get me to think a certain thing about God or do a certain thing about God, I said, no, not on your life. God's good. I love God. I don't care what happens to me. I love God. I'm going to keep on loving God right on through these trials, no matter what they are. But he says, now, when you are solicited to do evil in the midst of these trials, to become bitter or unloving or, or, to, or to curse God or whatever it is, or to get mad, I've been given a lot of money, I'm going to keep giving money, 
give all that money to the church and look what God gave to me. I'm, give, I'm giving nothing else. Or as one lady in my church said to me one time because her mother died, I'm never coming back to church. I never got the lady back in church. You know what? In her trial, she was tempted and she yielded to the temptation to drop out of church because her mother died, but she never would have yielded in the first place if she hadn't had a desire to drop out of church to start with. You still with me? I ain't halfway through. Then when lust hath conceived, you know what conception is? Not, not, every, not every time there is a conception. I know women trying to have babies can't have babies. But once it's conceived, when you conceive lust, you're tempted. And that lust, you conceive it and you hold on to it, and it conceives, it brings forth sin. It only sins when the lust is conceived. As long as you don't yield to the lust. Now, you may have a lust. And the temptation may what be then the 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 temptation to evil. I mean, too fast. Maybe then a real trial or, or temptation to do what the devil's trying to get you to do because you have a desire to do it, but you don't have to do it even then. You need you need to learn to say no. I'm not going to do it and talk out loud. They'll say I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I don't know when Jesus is coming. If the whole world turns against you. And, and we live in a world today that is absolutely so out of whack. I am shocked. The morals in this country have absolutely gone down the drain. And when politicians get ready to get reelected, they start talking about family values and morals. Where have they been since 1960? Teaching uh, free sex and sex on the street corners and living like a bunch of animals and dogs. And, and, and then the welfare system trying to uh, take care of all these babies and having more babies. If they, if they, churches have been the right kind of churches in Christian homes, you don't have that. It may happen occasionally, but it don't happen rampant like it's happening across America today. We have no moral values in this country, but I've got to hurry. When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. When you let your desire to do the thing that Satan's trying to get you to do go to fruition, it becomes a sin. And when sin then, it brings forth death. Now, you keep on in sin and keep on in sin and keep on in sin when you're saved. It brings forth death. The same idea here is, is in James 5.20. You, you want to turn and see it right quick. Let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way have, have color, uh, covered a multitude of sins and saved a soul from death. He's not talking about salvation there. He's talking about saving a sinning brother. If you can set somebody who's a Christian who's on the wrong track. Remember the whole book of James written to brethren, verse 2, not to unsaved people. We're talking about winning, we're talking about winning what we would sometimes call a backslidden Christian now. But instead of trying to win the dear brother, we say, I thought he'd do it anyway. We, I thought he'd do it anyway. We ought, to, we ought to convert the sinning brother from the error of his way. And when we do, we cover a multitude of sins because God will forgive the sins for the brother. And not only we'll save a soul from death, we'll, we'll save that guy from dying a premature death. But if, you, if, if, if during trials the solicitation to evil comes and you yield to it and, you, and, and you're inclined to yield because of your own lust and you're enticed and you conceive it and then it becomes sin and you keep on and keep on and keep on, it brings forth a premature death. Not everybody that dies early is sin. I'm thinking now, can I take five more minutes? We don't start at 11, do we? Uh, uh, I'm thinking now, 10, 10 or 11, mixed up. I'm thinking now of a, a dear man that went to BUA when I was a president, Buddy Thigpen. 
how many children have? Six children? Somebody tell me. Six children, five, five left. That's six then. They had five. Going to Russia as a missionary. One little three-year-old boy. Went to the camp meeting the other night, uh, about two weeks ago, to uh, meet preachers, do deputation work, to go to Russia with a wife and five little kids, sweetest little Christian family, named them all after, after uh, Southern generals. He's got boys, they all are named after Southern generals. There's a history of every Southern general they named after. Headed home, pulled into McDonald's, and uh, his mother went out, and the little fella came running out behind her, hello, mama, hollered twice. She said, I felt something inside. They turned around and grabbed your son, said, I didn't do it. I looked back, a truck backed up our car and rolled over his little body. And while it was laying between the front wheel and the back wheel, she was started for it and the front wheel ran over his head. Three-year-old kid. Three-year-old kid. That's a trial. But that boy's going to Russia. You don't know what I say when I say he's going to Russia. You can't find anybody in Russia that hadn't been through trials. You don't know what they've been through over there. While we've been having liberty... They've been, in, they've been going through I, I'm, I, hell on earth in Russia. No religious freedom, no food, no nothing. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, totalitarian state. I mean, they've been going through it. And I, you know, I'm not saying what God's doing. I'm not God. But God may be preparing Buddy Thigpen's heart to deal with the people he's going to deal with. You say, well, I don't understand that. You don't need to understand that. I'm just saying, don't be trying to figure God out during trials. You just endure the trial. Bear up like Buddy did with his little three-year-old laying in the casket. And, he, and Buddy got up and he said, I feel like an old man, trembling, little, crying over his little boy's body. And he said to the congregation, he said, this is my little general. And he told what general he's named after. and told the history of the general. And said, when that general died, all his soldiers came around and saluted him. He said, if you wouldn't mind granting a father one last request for his little general, would you all stand and salute my little general? At the funeral service, everybody stood and slewed that little casket. What trials? What trials? But you're going to, you're going to get on the other side. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to look back and you're going to jump up and down and kick up gold dust for a million years and shout, Hallelujah, God knew what He was doing. 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 Praise His name. Praise His name. Praise His name. You may as well do it now. Instead of waiting you get over there and look back and do it, you'll be glad you're on this side first. Now, one more thing. i got to hurry. I'm going to talk two or three more minutes because we're going to start on time, but we ain't going to give you a lot of time. Because this might be my last time. Who knows? It says, do not err, my beloved brother. Don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Now, trials and temptations don't come from God. I mean, the solution is evil. But in verse 7, he said, every good and perfect gift is from above. God only gives good and perfect gifts. God gives a, a flawless gifts. Uh, did you hear what I said? God gives flawless gifts. Man cannot give a flawless gift because there are no flawless men. There's no such thing as a perfect gift. You look for it. What is the perfect gift? What do you give men's got everything to say? That you, you, you quit looking. There's no perfect gift. There, flawless man cannot give flawless gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. I don't give anything but good gifts. You Don't be complaining in your trials. All I give is flawless gifts. But I think of what he gave us. Salvation. What a word. Saved. Flawless. Flawless. 
flawless. You can't find a speck in it. If there's 10 billion, billion, billion worlds and, and that many years men worked on it, you couldn't improve on the plan of salvation. I don't care how long you live. And I can't even explain it. It's so flawless. It's grace. It's all of grace. I can't do anything to get it. He died on the cross and suffered my hell and paid my debt. And all I do is I just trust him. And he said, it's yours. And it's flawless. And he can't take it back. And he won't take it back. And he don't begrudge the fact that he gave it to you. And worse later, he hadn't given it to you because you didn't give him something as good as he gave you. Bunch of Christmas stuff going on. Well, I gave her something. It cost it $30. And they gave me it cost $1.98. That ain't the way God does. He gives it to you. Don't regret He gave and don't have any idea of ever taking it back. It's yours forever. His gifts are good. They're flawless gifts. They come down the Father above. I'm telling you now, I'm getting ready to run if I had a good leg. They come down the Father above, and here's what I love, in whom there is no variableness. He never varies. Your wife may vary. Your child may vary. Uh, you, you, your, your husband may vary. Your friends may vary. As a matter of fact, your friends will vary. And they'll soon wind out to be very few if you're not careful, you know. They'll vary on you. You know what variableness is? It's this. It's very, it's very, it's very. He, he's here today. You, I, 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 you know, I don't call names. I've had people say, now I'm on your side. And I, two days later, come to well, I changed my mind. We're going to that meeting. I'm voting against you. You know, it's like this. It's like this. I got a little gift for you. I'm, I'm with you now. When going that meeting, and two days later, now, now when I, I want to tell you, I want you to be shocked. I've, I've, I've been talking to so and so about, it, and I'm voting against you in this meeting. And you hit you with a tractor trailer load full, you know, very and very. But you know, there's one person that never varies, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, not even a shadow of turning. God never changes. God's immutability, God's perfection demands his immutability. If God changed, he'd have to get better or worse. If he got better, it would mean he wasn't, in, it wasn't perfect before he improved. If he got worse, it means he's no longer perfect because he's worse than he was a while ago. He can't get better or worse or he wouldn't be perfect. Perfection demands immutability. I'm telling you, if I just had the strength, I'd shout. I'm, I would just have a running fit and forget the other crowd. If they want to come in, they could come in. You know? And then in verse 18, he says, he wants, to make, he wants to make it clear that the crown of life up in verse 12 is not something you earn by enduring temptation, but a quality of life. Because now he's talking about the new birth in verse 18. Of his own will beget he us. We're talking about new birth. You know what born again means? Raise your hand. Let me talk about being born again. How many say born again? How many have been born again? Say born again. Say born again. Don't you like that? Thank God I'm born again. Born again of his own will. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, 
Visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust. <laughs>